0: oh, the countdown to Christmas is officially on. And I know for some of you, it's been on since November uh, 12th. You know, you wait till the remembrance is over, and then it's like, boom, Christmas exploded in your house. Um, for some of you, you're like, Christmas doesn't explode until December 24th, okay? And then it's gone December 26th, okay? But my advice has been over the years as a pastor, to anybody who would listen to me, has been this. Don't forget Jesus in Christmas. Don't forget Jesus. Don't get so caught up in the gift giving. Where are my people who love to give good gifts? Remember my address is right next door. Um, <laughs> no, no, don't get so caught up in giving gifts or feasting on food uh, and, and storytelling That we leave Jesus out in the cold. Only thinking of him as we crawl into bed on Christmas morning. I I imagine in my mind it's like the mom from Home Alone. When she realizes what she forgot. Kevin! We're like, Jesus! (laughs) This morning I would like to zoom out on that thought. Don't just celebrate Jesus on the day that the rest of the world celebrates him. But bring him into all that you do in this Christmas season. Take Jesus shopping with you and your family. Take Jesus through the grocery store aisles. Take Jesus with you to work. There are two times in the calendar year when people around you are actually thinking about God. Christmas and Easter. Those are, those are prime opportunities in the calendar year to know for sure that the people around you are thinking something about God. We've even printed, this is a shameless plug, we've even printed up Christmas Eve invitation cards. You don't need to do the awkward inviting. Let us do it for you. Take a handful and give them out to your neighbors and your friends and say, hey, we're having a Christmas Eve service, candlelight Christmas Eve service. Come. We'd love for you to be a part of it. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you there's somebody in your life who needs you to invite them. Bring Jesus with you. Take those invitations, pray over them before you leave the parking lot to say, "Say, God, whoever's in my path that needs one of these, make me aware of it in the moment. And just hand them out as you go. And God will drop that into your spirit. He'll drop that into your mind. You, you won't even be thinking of it. You'll be walking the dog. Do, 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 do. And you'll meet somebody and then you'll be like, oh, I got those Christmas cards in my pocket. Here, why don't you come? I love this idea because... There are many people in heaven because somebody handed them a card one day. And I want that to be a part of your story. And along that line, along the lines of making room for Jesus, I read a story this week about how easy it is to miss the important because of the busyness of life. You may have heard this story, it's been around for a little while, but it goes like this. At a metro station in Washington, on a January morning, a man with a violin played for one hour. During the time that the hour passed by, man—excuse no- uh, me a man noticed that there was a musician playing. He slowed and then he hurried on. A short time later, the violinist received his first dollar from a woman, this is a true story, who threw money into the violin's case, which had been open. He was busking. A young man leaned against the wall to listen, and, and as he looked and as he watched, and then he walked on. Later, a, a, a young boy stopped with his mother, and, and she eventually tugged him along because they had to make their train. This was repeated for a whole hour. People would stop momentarily and then move on because of the busyness of their lives. And as the musician continued to play, people would briefly stop and listen. And few, very few gave money. The man collected $32 in his hour. And when he had finished playing, no one noticed. The violinist was a world-famous violinist. His name is Joshua Bell. He's a world-class violinist. And he played, he played Bach on a violin worth $3.5 million that day. And two days before, he sold out a theater in Washington where the average seat went for over $1,000. And this, so, this was a social experience organized by the Washington Post and it raised many questions. But maybe the most important one is this if we cannot stop and listen to great music playing, played wonderfully with a beautiful instrument by a world-renowned musician, how many other things are we missing out as we rush through life? As we recall, the message of hope is the first day of Advent, and I want us to remind us this morning that we actually live on the other side of a promise. That you and I find ourselves on the other side of the cross of Christ. A promise that was 400 years in the making. A promise that the Israelites had actually been, been um, expecting since the garden. And we live in that promise. And the promise is, is very, very simple. And we usually read it this time of year. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And the throne of David, and over his, on the throne of David, excuse me, and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the promise of Jesus given to the Israelites some 400 years before his arrival. Some 400 years before his advent. Meaning they had 400 years To prepare, they had 400 years to wait and be expecting. They had 400 years to make their hearts ready to prepare for this promised coming king. However, when he finally did come in the way that was predicted, those who claimed to be closest to God missed him. They missed him. They ended up opposing him. And eventually, they ended up standing against him to the point of killing him. And I want us to to recognize that as Christians, we need to be remembering Jesus. We need to be aware of what he's doing in and through our lives. We need to recognize that in this Christmas season where it's busy... And it's so much more busy. As we celebrate the birth of Christ, I don't want us to miss them. Because the tinsel is fun. Because the lights are fun. Look at these Christmas trees. These are actually built by Len. Penny didn't, didn't, didn't share that to Painted by Hank, but I, I, I saw these online and I sent a picture to Len and I said, Hey, do you think you could build these? Like in two minutes, he sent back, he he had a pattern. And I was like, how do you already have the pattern? He's like, oh, I came across it a few years ago and I just tucked it away. But I don't want us to get caught up in that. That So caught up, rather, that we miss Jesus. These look great. The tree looks great. Thanks, John and Jeanette. The, The decorations look great. Your houses look great. Those inflatables make it really easy. They look great, but we need to be on the lookout for Jesus. And 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 I want to let you know this is not just a seasonal mindset. For those that would go after Jesus, this is a daily mindset. This is an hourly mindset. This is a moment-to-moment mindset. Jesus, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this coffee shop? What are you doing in this bathroom stall? Okay, that might be a little personal. But, but we need to ask those questions. When you, when you get out of your car and you go to work, say, Jesus, make me aware of what you're doing in this place today. We need to choose our moments. We need to choose our words. As strange as that may sound, we even need to choose the hills that we're going to die on this Christmas season. For many people, many Christian people, they get upset over Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Can I tell you, the Bible doesn't say we need to say Merry Christmas. I get the sentiment. I get keeping Christ in Christmas. I really do. And I prefer Merry Christmas over Happy Holidays. But I'm not going to accost the clerk at the checkout aisle because she didn't say what I liked her to say. Come on, somebody. There's no, nothing in God's Word that insists that you must say Merry Christmas and not Happy Holidays. And for me, it's not, making, it's not worth making an ordeal about. Because if, if I were to convince someone to say Happy Holidays, I think they, they would leave that conversation thinking less about Jesus than I wanted them to. Oh yeah, I won that battle. But you may have lost the war in someone's life. I don't think that, that people who get in arguments over happy holidays, Merry Christmas, really reflect Jesus like they would like to. I get the heart behind it. I do, but it's not a hill to die on. And one of the most Jesus-like things that you and I can do during the Christmas season is to be gracious with people, to be kind. To people, and getting in the semantics argument isn't gonna bear fruit. I would challenge us to be gracious because while Christmas is a celebration, it's a time of hope and peace and love and joy, we need to remember that real life doesn't stop during Christmas. What do I mean by that? I mean that it's important that we realize that Christmas isn't happy. Or merry for everyone. You and I will cross paths with people who have just lost their jobs. How's that merry for them? How's that happy for them? It's not the most wonderful time of year when you lost your job, especially when our culture places so much emphasis on Christmas being merry when the presents are overflowing. There will be people that are mourning the loss of a loved one. Going through their first Christmas with a giant hole in their heart and in their family and in their lives. How's that, Mary? For others, Christmas is is the time where their marriage died and their family fell apart. The season that once brought happiness and joy and memories only brings with it the stinging reminder of what was once a happy home. And now the Christmas season is only thoughts of sadness. And I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. If your name's Debbie, I apologize. My hope is just to bring you some awareness to you that being Jesus with skin on this Christmas season will require us to look for ways to bless people with more than candy canes and presents. There are many people around you who are in need of encouragement at this time of year. And to me, they don't need another Christmas presents. They need Christ's presence. Come on, somebody. They need the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. They need to be reminded that Christmas isn't about things. It's not about gifts. It's about a promise. It's about God being with us. And the chasm that once separated God and men has been bridged by the cross of Christ. Come on, somebody. There was once a people who walked in great darkness. That's what, that's what uh, Sam and Chad read. But now we have seen a great light, the light of the world, and his name is Jesus, and you represent him, and I represent him. And there are going to be people around you who, well, while everybody else is merry and happy and the most wonderful time of year, they're sad and lonely and just holding on. Just get me through another year. This is something that we need to be aware of at this time because the people in our lives need the reminder that his name is Emmanuel, God with us for the hurting people, for the lonely people, for the people walking in sorrow right now, we we get to bring them the true message of Christmas. a message that says, God will be with you. God will help you. God will strengthen you. But most of all, God loves you. This revelation isn't new to me. I've actually been thinking about it for a number of years. But there was a time that I didn't think about the people who were hurting at Christmas. There was a time in my pastoralhood. I don't think that's a word. That's how words are created. There was a time when I didn't think that. When I didn't think about the lonely or the lost or the broken at Christmas. I was caught up in the joy and again, there's nothing wrong with that. But I do remember the year that I started to think about it. See, when I was a youth pastor, this revelation hit me like a ton of bricks. See, we had this we had this event that we would do every year in our youth group. We would do a Christmas gala and my wife and her friend, they would cook this amazing meal and they would set up the, the gym with tables and balloons and mood lighting and the, and the kids would get all dressed up. The girls would buy these expensive dresses, which I always felt a little guilty about um, because I'm like, you don't need to, but, you know, ladies. And I always felt really bad because the guys would show up in like a button-up and sneakers. And these girls had spent, but okay, I, I don't want to get lost in that. But we would do this amazing gala. We had, we had gift giving and secret Santas and, and a maximum $10 limit, which meant there was always McDonald's gift cards. Because they're teenagers and 10 bucks actually bought a lot then at McDonald's. And, and and it was great. There was there was music and games and fun. Sarah had had wrapped all this candy up in a giant cellophane ball, and you got these oven mitts, and you had to unwrap it before the timer ran out, or before somebody rolled two sixes, or something like that. And we, I, they were, it was fun. And one night we were having this great time, and a youth, these two young youth. They were dating. And the boy came to me and said, hey, can we have a couple moments with you in the middle of this party? And there was no real privacy, so we ended up sitting in my car. And they were in the back seat, and I was in the front seat straining my neck, looking behind me. And, uh, and I, were like, I was like, what's, what's going on? And the girl just burst into tears. She said, my mom and dad are getting a divorce because of infidelity. I was like 21, maybe. I might have been older. I don't remember. I don't remember that stuff. But I remember sitting there with a pit in my stomach and I thought, I'm not prepared for this. They don't teach you in Bible college how to, how to comfort somebody in one of the hardest things that they may ever go through. I remember just sitting there weeping with them as she told me the story of everything that had happened and it had blown up right at Christmas. And that was the first time I thought, there's a party going on in the inside well, there's people who've been hurting for the whole two hours until they got the courage to talk to me. For two hours, I didn't realize that they were walking in pain and sadness because I was caught in the joy of Christmas. But God did something in that moment. God did something in my heart in that moment. He, he helped me to realize that, well, I'm excited for Christmas. There are other people that I need to be aware of who aren't. And how can I serve them? How can I I bring the, the hope and the peace and the joy and the love to people around me who aren't experiencing any of that? And it's for this reason that I try not to miss Jesus. Not because I, I don't want to sit in the seat of the Pharisees, which I don't, but because I don't want to miss the opportunity to share the love of God with those who need it the most. And this Christmas season, my message for you is don't be blinded by the lights. Don't be blinded by the to-do list. Don't be, don't be caught up in the bright wrapping paper and the expensive price tags that you miss people who are begging For Jesus. Someone has said, everyone is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Be kind. And I love that. And I would change it just a little bit. It's not as, you know, flashy. But everyone is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Be ready to be Jesus with skin on. It's not quippy, but I hope you get the heart of it. Then anyone who knows God may use, excuse me. You you this prayer, this prayer actually puts you into the heart of God. This idea puts you into the will of God. You don't want to miss Jesus. I love that the Bible says that rejoice with those who are rejoicing. But it also says mourn with those who are mourning. And I think at Christmas, we can do both at the same time. I can party over here. And I could weep over here. Really took the flare out of the weepingness, didn't it? Your voice might be the one that turns someone's Christmas sorrow into Christmas merr.y Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you have a blessed week.